morning, family. My name is Mwiti, um, and I lead discipleship here in our congregation. It's such a pleasure to share the word with you this morning. Um, I must confess that I was um, very nervous because whenever they tell me, hey, you're going to preach on this date, so are you available? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm available. I don't really look at the calendar. Um, and then when I eventually looked at the calendar, uh, and then I saw that the final is happening on Saturday, and then I'm preaching the following morning, I was like, Lord, what did I say yes to? Because we're starting a new sermon series. Um, it's a sermon series called Emotions, and I'll be preaching on anger this morning. And so I was like, it's either going to be a therapy session or going to be an equipping session. I just I wasn't sure. Um, and, <laughs> and so I spent a lot of the week praying. I'm like, Lord, just let them win. <laughs> yeah, let them win because I feel if I'm not going to be preaching on anger, I might have to preach on idolatry because people are going to be at church quite angry uh, because of the results. Um, and I also must confess that uh, Anna was preaching last week Sunday, and so in between the services, uh, we were talking, and she was like, oh, she's so tired. She watched the rugby um, the, the previous night, you know, she didn't get much sleep. And I'm like, oh, what a rookie move. Um, if I was in your position, I wouldn't have watched the rugby because I would have rested, so I'm nice and fresh in the morning for the sermon. Uh, and I must confess, I wasn't going to watch the rugby. I really wasn't. I had no plans to watch it because I'm like, I'm preaching in the morning. I need to be fresh. Um, I need to be prepared. Uh, even speaking with Andrew, one of our youth leaders, I was like, no, no, 9 p.m. Usually uh, when I preach on a Sunday morning, 9 p.m. is the time that I, I set aside to just pray for the following day, right? And then at like 10 to 9, I'm about to switch off. Then my wife asked me, oh, there's the rugby is playing. Please put on the rugby. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I put on the rugby. I'm like, no, I'm just going to watch the first five minutes and then... I'm going to go pray, uh, hear from the Lord. Um, and it's like 5 to 11, and then I'm there, anxious. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me for judging Anna. Um, I have to even speak to Anna after this. I'm like, Anna, I'm sorry I judged you. I also watched the rugby when I said I wouldn't. Um, but it was so worth it just seeing the Springboks win bok to bok. Um, yes. Okay, so let's get started on the sermon. <laughs> So we are starting a new sermon series on emotions, and as I mentioned earlier, I will be kicking us off and I'll be preaching on anger, right? So emotions are, are that weird thing that we don't really understand, that we don't really get, and we don't really know what to do with, the, what to do with our emotions when we have them. Um, and the best way to describe emotions, uh, could you go to the next slide, is um, like, you know, when you switch on your car, these lights pop up. A lot of us don't even know what a lot of these lights mean, but they are there. And so you start your car, uh, and if your car is in good condition, all of those lights just switch off. Um, and then everything is fine, and then you drive, and then it's great, right? Um, but then there's that once in a while where you start your car, the lights switch on. You start, I mean, you switch on your car, the lights switch on, and then you start, and then one of the lights remains on. Um, and it's usually the check engine light, right? And then now you don't know what to do. Um, and then you sometimes, because you don't have money at that moment in time, you drive. You just you keep going. You're like, I'm, I'm just going to drive. It doesn't sound bad because sometimes you even listen. Because, you know, if you know your car, you can hear if, there's, uh, if the problem is serious or not or if it's affordable or if it's expensive. Um, and so you just you drive, you go. Um, and sometimes when the problem is expensive and, you know, there's, we don't have the expensive to fix the problem, the car breaks down on the highway. And then now that puts the people around us at risk, and it puts us at risk as well. Or if you're like me and you drive a car um, that has a dashboard that looks like that, where you switch it on, there's no lights whatsoever, um, and then you just have to discern in the spirit if there's something wrong or not. 
and then you're driving, uh, and you don't know what's going on. Um, and an unfortunate situation happened earlier on in the year. We were going to the hospital to go see my mom. I'm stressed. I'm worried. I'm driving. I'm on the R21. Uh, lunchtime traffic. People are rushing to the airport. People are coming back from the airport. The road is busy. And there I am, driving 120, going, going, going. <clears throat> All of a sudden, the speed just starts decreasing. But my foot is like hard on the accelerator. And the car is just not going anywhere. So then I start going over into the slow lane because I was in the fast lane, going to the slow lane, and then the car eventually comes to a stop. There's no lights. There's nothing. I don't know what's going on. I know this is definitely expensive. The car has been out of action ever since. And that's the same with our emotions, is that our emotions are the check engine light um, on, this, on the dashboard, is that when we feel an emotion, whether it be anger, joy, um, sadness, depression, whatever emotion we feel, there's an indicator that there is something that is happening in our soul. It doesn't necessarily have to be something bad. It could be something good because there are also good emotions. There are also negative emotions. But whenever there's an emotion we're experiencing, it's a check engine light to see what is happening in our soul. And sometimes, because we are so under-resourced and we aren't aware of our emotions, we become like my car where you die in the middle of the road and you're putting your life at risk and the lives of those around you at risk as well. And so that's why I'm so excited for this sermon series because we are going to get to dig deeper into God's word and see that God actually cares very much for our emotions and that there's a healthier way to process our emotions in Christ. We do, not, we, we, we do not have a God who doesn't care for our emotions because God himself is very emotional. I don't know if you've read the, the, the Bible recently, but whenever you read it from Old Testament, from Genesis to Revelation, God is exhibiting a lot of emotions. And if we are created in the image of God, we also have those emotions. So, could you please stand with me? Um, we will be reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. We are going to be reading... Uh, verses 26, 27, and then we're going to jump to verses 29 to 32. Um, so we will be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, um, towards the end of the chapter, verses 26 to 27, and then we're going to jump to 29 to 32. So the word of the Lord says the following, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we thank you. That as it says there, as God in Christ forgave you, thank you that we all sitting here are forgiven, that we are not condemned. And Father, whatever emotions of condemnation that we may be feeling right now, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus, because condemnation is not from you, it is from the devil, but forgiveness is from you. I pray for each and every single person that is struggling with forgiveness, that they may receive your forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that we would be overwhelmed by your love right now in the name of Jesus. And know that we are loved and we are accepted by you. That, Father, we can trust you with our emotions. That you are, the, you are God, the great counselor. That whenever we need help with our emotions, we can always come to you and you know best in how to resolve what is going on in our souls. 
We thank you, Father, that you are here. And I ask, Father, that as I preach your word this morning, that you would be the one who would speak through me. Father, I lay down whatever thoughts and ideas that I have, and I surrender to your will and your authority and your leading in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, I will be preaching on anger. And so, there's a, when, when it comes to anger, I love how the scripture starts off by saying, be angry. It's okay to be angry. Anger is a normal human emotion that we experience. A lot of the times, because of just uh, the negative consequences that comes with anger, we believe a lot of the time that anger is a sin, that we aren't allowed to get angry, that we aren't even allowed to express our anger. I remember I went for counseling earlier on in the year, um, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the team that was just ministering to me um, told me that sometimes they buy um, a pool noodle. And then they take a pool noodle and like in anger and in frustration, how they express their anger is that they take that pool noodle, go find a tree, and they just clap that tree uh, until that pool noodle um, is just destroyed and it's just crumbs and it's uh, obliterated. Simply because we all need an avenue to express our anger. We need, an, we need to release our anger because anger isn't one of those emotions that we are supposed to actually hold in. It's an, it's an emotion that we are supposed to experience and resolve quickly. And so the word of the Lord says, be angry and do not sin. A lot of the times in our anger, we sin simply because we are not quick to resolve our anger. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. A lot of the time we simmer and live in our anger for weeks and days and months at a time. And so then the anger ends up consuming us and we end up living our lives in sin because we are making decisions based off of our anger rather than what the word of the Lord says. And so this morning we'll be looking at different kinds of relationships that, uh, that, that make us angry. Um, and, and, and how we respond in those situations. But we'll also be looking at how the Lord handles his anger because this is an emotion that he has and yet he is able to resolve that emotion without bringing any harm to the ones that he loves. A lot of the time with our anger, when we, when we let it sit, when we let it fester, one of the things that I do, and I know a lot of us do it, or maybe it's just me, um, I could be projecting here, is that I have conversations with the people in my head Right, And I'm like, I'm, this is what I, I would say to them, and this is how they'd respond, and this is how I'd respond back to them. Um, and then this, and I'm just having this argument until I win the argument. Um, and then obviously once I've won the argument, when I see the person, um, I, 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 I resume from where the argument left off in my head. And then it just shocks the person. that, like, wow, what's going on? What's happening? Where are all these emotions coming from? And one thing that the Lord challenged me on is that in those moments when you are arguing in your mind, who are you arguing with? Because it's certainly not, certainly not that person. It says, and give no opportunity to the devil. And so when you are arguing in your mind, who are you truly arguing with? Because I can assure you it's definitely not God that you're arguing with. It is definitely not the person that you're arguing with. But there is someone who you are arguing with and there's a danger when we let our anger sit and when we let our anger fester in our hearts and in our souls, we end up having these false arguments. We end up building a case that does not even exist. We end up making assumptions about the people that we are arguing with in our imagination that by the time we meet with them, we already have assumptions about their character. 
we already have assumptions about their intentions without giving them the opportunity to actually speak for themselves and say, hey, this is why I did what I did. So, the first group of people we're going to, I want to ask, why are you angry with the people around you? <coughs> why are you angry with the people around you? You see, what anger is, is uh, it represents a blocked goal. Right, And so when you get angry at someone, it's because there is something that you want and that person does something to block you from reaching your destination or reaching the thing that you desire or the thing that you want. And so then we get angry because there's a frustration that this is what I want, but you're not allowing me to get there. Uh, when, when my son was about four months old... Um, I think a lot of the parents can resonate with this because, you know, our kids just bring up a lot of anger um, in us. Uh, when my son was four months old, my wife had to go to a, a work thing, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so then my wife was like, okay, I'm going to leave you with both kids. So my daughter is younger than two, my son, four months old, so it's two under two, um, which is a lot of chaos. And I'm just like, oh, dad of the year, don't worry, babe, go. I've got this. Um, I'm in control of the situation. I'm not scared of these kids. Um, I'm the adult here. I'm in control. I'm the boss. They will know me <laughs> after today. Um, and so then my wife goes, having the time of her life. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling her what's going on because I don't want her to worry. I want her to just focus on where she is and what she's doing. And my son just refuses to go to sleep. Um, and if you know babies, when they, not, when they can't go to sleep, they cry because they are frustrated that they can't go to sleep and they need help to go to sleep, but they refuse your help to go to sleep. And so now it's this vicious cycle where he's crying, he's screaming, and I'm just getting frustrated and more and more frustrated to a point where... So I have him in the baby carrier, and usually the baby carrier helps put him to sleep because he's close to me, he's feeling the snugness, he's feeling the warmth, he's hearing my heartbeats, you know, everything that's, that, that sounds great, but he's just refusing to sleep. So I take him out of the baby carrier, I put him on the bed, and I just scream, I'm like, just go to sleep! And I, and, and I hit my fist on the bed, I was in a fit of rage, I just hit my fist on the bed, and then I stop, I'm like, whoa, 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 what just happened there? And then my son stopped crying in that moment, and he looked at me with so much horror in his eyes. I will not forget that look. And I was like, sheesh. I'm sorry. Let me take a step back. I took him again, put him in the, in, in the baby carrier. Then he eventually fell asleep. Um, I, I, I sat with him on the couch. Uh, my daughter also was also chaotic at the time. She fell asleep. My son fell asleep. I fell asleep. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that we all just fell asleep. And, and I'm thinking to myself, that could potentially be a core memory, because around that time, my son and I weren't getting along, because uh, whenever I helped my son, my son was just angry and upset, and he just didn't want me, but whenever he was in his mom, he laughed, and it was great, and it was amazing, and I'm like, ah, now my son is going to definitely think, this is the guy, I don't want him to hold me, and so in our anger, we do things that hurt the people around us, Sometimes when we, in the name of discipline, in the name of correcting our children, out of anger, we beat them. And I understand because in that moment, I desperately wanted to beat my four-month-old, but obviously common sense took over and he said, this is a four-month-old, he does not know what he was doing. Don't do that. I was feeding my daughter not so long ago um, and I have the bowl of food in my hand and I'm feeding her and then my daughter just slaps the bowl of food out of my hand and it falls to the floor 
And then my wife just sees me walk out the room because, again, in that moment, I was ready to beat my daughter. But I realized that if I beat her, I am acting out of anger and I will be sinning, most importantly, against God. And unfortunately, she is going to bear the consequences of my sin because she is going to fear me after that moment. In my internship year, one of the reasons why it was such a difficult year for me is because I was just emotionally immature. My emotions, um, were, I, I used to allow my emotions to get the better of me. Um, in the check engine light, I didn't even know that the lights were blinking. And I lashed out at my leaders, I lashed out at my colleagues to a point where my leader was like, you need to go for counseling, go seek help. And in my anger, I actually, uh, thinking back, I'm like, this was so sinful, is that I started gathering people who were also angry for the same things, and then all of a sudden, we just started gossiping, we just started um, tearing apart the leader's character, we just, we just made a mess of the situation. Simply because we were angry, in our anger, we were sinning. And unfortunately, we made some terrible assumptions about this leader. And we, made, and we started, because we were gossiping, these rumors were spreading around like wildfire. All of a sudden, people started coming with prophetic words saying, oh, this is what the Lord is doing. This is what the Lord is saying I'm out of that sin. And some of those words, I look back and I'm like, my goodness, Lord, forgive us. Because a lot of it was just from a place of sin. I don't know who you are angry with. I don't know what... Uh, hurt they may have caused you or you have caused them. But a lot of the time we find that uh, the environments are toxic um, in our workplaces, in our families, with our friends, simply because we have allowed anger to sit and to fester. And when we allow anger to sit, we end up sinning. Anger is such a difficult emotion because it requires us to resolve the reason why we are angry as soon as possible. And that involves us having honest conversations with ourselves and even sitting down with ourselves and asking, why are you angry? Just look in the mirror. Just ask yourself, why are you angry? Why are you behaving like this? What is the goal that so-and-so is blocking you from? Because you will find that if you have a conversation around the goal with the person and saying, hey, when we had this conversation and you said whatever you said, this is what I heard and I felt like you are blocking me from this goal. And then they can actually give their interpretation of the situation rather than fighting and bickering and end up losing and, and harming and breaking that relationship. Because that's what anger does, that we do things that we end up regretting and we do it for the wrong reasons. If you aren't angry at people, why are you angry at the church? A lot of the time, people leave the church because they are angry. There is something that they wanted the church to do, but the church did not do it, and so they became angry, and they left. I, I, I was sitting with a counselor last year, and I was just sharing my anger and frustration with the church. And the counselor listened and listened and listened and listened and listened. And then they were like, okay, that's great. I hear all you are saying. Who is it? Who did it? Name them. And I'm like, no, it's the church. It's the church. It's the church. It's the church. They're like, no, name them. Who is it? I'm like, okay, fine. They're like, excuse me, who? And I said the name of the person. And in that moment, the counselor was reminding me that the church is not a building, but the church is a people. And so a lot of people make decisions from a place of anger and they decide to leave the church, whereas it was a person that they are actually angry with. 
and there isn't a, a recognition and acknowledgement to say, hey, I'm actually angry with so-and-so. I am not angry with the church. Again, in my internship year, with the people who I was gossiping with, with the people who I was causing havoc and chaos with, I came out to my leaders and I confessed. I'm like, I have been sinning. I have been gossiping. This is what I have been doing. I had to expose myself simply because the sin was just becoming so much. It was overtaking my life. And the people, naturally, they got angry with me for exposing everything that was going on. Because I recognized in that moment that the relationship with my leader is the one that's suffering. And so I'm like, I need to restore this relationship. And so I have to confess my sin. I confessed my sin. It was an amazing time with my leader. There was a lot of healing. There was a lot of restoration. I was ugly crying in that meeting. It was just amazing. But with the people now who, 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 who I also exposed through my confession because I was sick and tired of living with all this sin, they became angry at me. And all of a sudden, when I come to church in a Sunday service, it felt like a very hostile environment. It felt like I can't worship God. It felt like I just can't be here. And so I, I went to my, my disciple at the time and I said, man, I'm leaving the church simply because there's just so much happening that I can't worship God anymore. And my leader said, you will do no such thing. You are not leaving the church because your issue is not with the church. But your issue is with these specific people. And so you need to confront them and address what actually happened. Again, I'm making the wrong decisions because of anger. I'm making the wrong statements and the wrong conclusions because of anger. I had to go to these people and say, hey, man, the reason why I said what I said is because I knew that I was sinning. The scripture says here, um, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. I'm like, man, this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, no, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Corrupting talk was coming out of my mouth. A corrupting language was come out, coming out of my mouth. And I was bringing about division within the church, the body of believers, simply because of my actions. And I was just taking responsibility for my actions because in my anger, I was sinning. And so I had to go back to those people as well and actually start apologizing, saying, man, I'm sorry that I exposed you, yes, I exposed you, but I'm also sorry that I sinned with you because I have to take ownership and responsibility for my sin. I can't take for your sin, but this is what I did, and I'm sorry that you were hurt in the process of my confession. But there also, because I was convicted of my sin and I shared the word that this is what the word says, there was a lot of healing and restoration where they also started seeing that, man, we have actually been sinning with our talk because our talk was corrupting. Because of what we're doing, we're living in bitterness, we're living in wrath, we're living in anger, we're living in clamor, and we're living in slander. We allowed the devil an opportunity because the devil wants to bring disunity into the church. This whole chapter is speaking about unity in the church, and anger is the only emotion that's highlighted in the midst of this chapter, which shows us that anger can divide a church. Anger can divide a family. Anger can divide a workplace. Anger can divide a school. Anger can break and divide relationships. And so we need to be careful when it comes to anger. That whenever we get angry, we should not let the sun go down on our anger. But we need to resolve it as quickly as possible. 
we need to be honest with ourselves and communicate, even with ourselves, and communicate to the Lord in prayer if we aren't able to communicate with that person that I am angry and this is why I am angry. Is that there is a goal that is blocked. There is something I wanted to see. There is something that I wanted to achieve and that was blocked. And because that was blocked, I am now angry. And then come up with healthy ways to manage that anger and not let the devil an opportunity into your life. Because you're going to look five, ten years from now and all of a sudden, the relationships that were, that were so strong around you aren't there anymore. Unfortunately, because of this incident I've been sharing with, someone who was like my best, best friend, who, who I loved with, my dear, with all my heart, we are no longer friends. Simply because we weren't able to bring about reconciliation because of my anger. And I have to live with that, knowing full well that, uh, uh, you know, as we grow up, friendships, we, we, we tend to drift apart. But there I experienced a friendship breakup where the guy came and said to me, I no longer want to be your friend because of A, B, C, D, E. And it was all because of my anger. And I'm like, oh, I would have preferred us just drifting away because that makes more sense. But I, he dumped me <laughs> as a friend. <coughs> I know it is sad. <laughs> Simply because of my anger. Are you angry at God? This is a tough one because a lot of people don't want to acknowledge when they are angry at God. I am here preaching you guys and to you guys, and there are times where I don't even want to acknowledge that I'm angry at God. Because God is holy, God is righteous, God is just, God is amazing, God is all these great things. And there are times when things happen in our lives, and we want to put the blame at God, but we don't want to. And then we're just angry at God, and then we end up walking away from God. Because we don't want to bring our anger to God. But let's think of Job who was angry at God. God allowed an intense suffering to happen in his life. God allowed it. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He became very sick. He lost everything. That he just sat on a pile of ashes for, for the whole world to see. He lost everything and he was angry at God. And if Job decided to walk away from the faith, I would not blame him. But Job, in his anger with God, stayed and wrestled with God and told God how angry he is. He said a lot of things that when you read through the book of Job and you listen to some of the prayers that he said, it's like, man, how dare you speak to God like that? Do you not know that he is holy? Do you not know that God is just? Why would you speak to God in that way? Even his friends cautioned him about how he was speaking to God in his anger. But at the end of the chapter, God said, Job was right. What? God, Job said all these hurtful things. God, Job spoke in anger towards you and he said a lot of things and his friends were trying to correct him. But you said he was right and his friends were wrong. Why is that? Because Job brought his anger to the Lord. Job did not let his anger affect the relationships around him. But Job dealt with his anger in, in, in the appropriate setting, which is in prayer and relationship with God. We have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We have God dwelling inside of us. So we have access to God 24-7. And a lot of the time, we do not take advantage of that privilege of having access to God. And we deal with anger by ourselves. 
Job had every single right to be angry at God because God allowed suffering in his life. But he took, he took that anger and he went to God. How many people do you know of that were angry at God because some suffering happened in their lives and they walked away from God and they're now living lives of sin? I remember as a student, we were just trained in the God test and there's, a, there's the side A. The side A is for those people who don't believe in God. And the question five says, do you believe in evil? And the guy said, um, yes, I believe in evil. Because if God was so good, why would he allow suffering in, in, in my life? And I'm like, what suffering happened in your life? He said, we were praying and praying for my younger sister who had cancer to get healed. And unfortunately, she didn't get healed. And so them as a family took the decision to no longer go to church, to no longer serve God, but to just live lives as they pleased. It's because they allowed that anger to make that decision for them. They didn't bring it to the Lord in prayer. They let the sun set with them still holding their anger in place. And the devil loves that because then he's going to bring division between you and God. Even now as a Christian, there are certain goals that I have. There are certain things that I want. Uh, even in my prayer, I pray things. And when the Lord doesn't answer those prayers, I get angry. I'm like, Lord, I'm serving you. I've given my life over to you. I could be rich. I had a job offer from Investec, Lord. I could be making money. Money on top of money. But here I am serving you and you don't show up for me, God. And in those moments, I make decisions and I decide to drift away from God. I still come to church. I'm still amongst you guys at the church. I'm still serving. But because I'm angry at God, my life is now in sin because I have decided to break the relationship with God. Instead of taking my anger and wrestling it out with God. So when we are angry at God, let us think of Job who was angry at God and who wrestled with God. He did not allow the anger to dictate his relationship with God, but rather he brought that anger to God. And here's the amazing thing that happened. After he brought that anger, after the Lord spoke into his heart and spoke into his soul and did a deep work, God restored. After allowing the suffering, God restored. And a lot of the time when we are angry at God and we drift away from God uh, because we are suffering, because we are going through a hard time, we walk away from the restoration that we so desperately need. And we think that in our own selves, with our own strength, with our own way, we will be able to see that restoration. But this is just us interpersonally, us as people where we are sinning against each other because of our anger. But more than that, we are actually sinning against God, a holy and a just and a righteous God. So let's look at some examples throughout scripture where now God is angry at us, rightly so. A lot of the time, the reason why we think um, anger is a sin is because we've developed another language uh, for God being angry, which is the wrath of God uh, or the holy indignation, right? Which is just basically another, it's just fancy term for anger. God is angry. But God, in his anger, is just because we have sinned against him who is perfect. He is morally pure. He does what is right all the time. Even in allowing suffering in our lives, whether we believe it or not, whether we feel it or not, he is doing what is right. Because he is God. He can do no wrong. If he did anything wrong, then he would cease to be God. 
But because we sin against him continually and regularly, we are deserving of his anger towards us. We see in the Old Testament, here are a few examples. God was so angry because of the sin of man that he decided to send a flood and just wipe out the entire population except for eight people who were righteous. God was so angry that he destroyed an entire city. God was so angry uh, at, at how the Egyptians were treating the Israelites that when he set the Israelites free and the Egyptians were chasing after them, he destroyed them in, 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 the, in the Red Sea. In Exodus 15 verse 7, there were money changes in the, in the temple that weren't allowing the nations to come and pray. They weren't allowing nations to come and worship. And God, in his anger, flipped the tables rather than flipping the people. And he drove the people out. In his anger, because of the hardness of heart of the, of the religious leader, God was angry. There are many instances where God was angry, but it wasn't at the expense of people. It was because we had sinned against him. God was so angry at our sin that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. The, the, the gospel accounts give a lot of detail to everything that happened to Jesus right up until his crucifixion. It, it, it gave detail into the cat of nine tails where because of God's anger, he poured out his wrath on his son, Jesus, whipping him 39 times. So the Romans were expert killers that they knew that if they, if, they, if they hit you 40 times with that whip, you would die. So they whipped Jesus 39 times, leaving him on the brink of death. They took a crown of thorns and they squeezed it into his head, making his, make, uh, causing excruciating pain and blood dripping down his face so he couldn't see clearly. They made him carry the very instrument of his death up to the hill where he was going to get killed. He gets up to that hill and he suffocated because it was the most excruciating form of death. Because God's anger needs to be satisfied. There needs to be a punishment. And God did not take that punishment out on us. He took that punishment out on his very son, Jesus. But in the next scripture, there is three hours um, in, the, in, in the, the crucifixion story that is unaccounted for. It says, now from the sixth hour, which was about midday, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we saw God's wrath being poured out on Jesus. And then there's this three-hour gap where we don't know what happened. Even the biblical authors don't give an account of what happened in the three hours because God's wrath was so excruciating in that moment that it had to be hidden from all of creation. And we know how Jesus felt in that moment after Jesus poured out his, I mean, after God the Father poured out his wrath on him. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus who had no sin. Now, no sin whatsoever who lived the perfect life. And, for, and he was praying all the time, living by the power of the Holy Spirit in perfect relationship with God, who was very dependent on God. All of a sudden, for three hours, who has lived for an eternity, but for three hours, he experienced separation from God. And he experienced the wrath of God. And he felt no love from God, but only wrath in that three hours. 
and yet he did not sin. He did not sin after experiencing all those things because why? He was thinking of you and I. Because if he sinned in that moment, then he wouldn't have been the perfect substitute for our sin. But then God was going to pour out his anger over each and every single one of us. Because when we act from a place of sin in our anger, we are deserving of God's wrath. But Jesus took that wrath for us. We also see that in the resurrection, I mean in the crucifixion account, there is a moment where Jesus could have been angry. Because at the end of the day, it was people who were whipping him. It was people who put the cross on him. It was people who, who put him on the cross. It was people who stuck the crown of thorns in his head. So he had every single right to be angry. And what was his response? Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Church, is that our response when people hurt us and we get angry? Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. I pray that that would be my children's response when I get angry at them. That they would forgive me because I am acting out of, from a place of anger and I do not know what I am doing. I've been so convicted by that scripture that it is when, we, when people hurt us, when people block the goal that we are trying to achieve and we get angry at them, our response should always be, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. But also realizing that there's a different perspective, that there's a reason why they are blocking. And so we shouldn't even be prideful in saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Because we can even say that prayer in a sinful way. Because we think we are righteous and they are sinful. Whereas when you look at things from God's perspective, they are sinful and we are sinful. And so, Father, in this situation, in this moment of tension, Father, forgive us both, for we know not what we are doing. I am angry because I know not what I, I am doing. They are blocking my goal, for they know not what they are doing. So, Father, what is your will in this situation? What is your will for this relationship? Father, we need you to be the one to lead and guide us in this situation. And even if the person is unsaved and, and they've made you angry, Yours is to pray for them and say, Father, we both don't know what we are doing. So I ask that you would speak to me on what it is that needs to happen. I ask that you would somehow speak to them on what it is that needs to happen in this situation. So that we can always maintain unity. So that we can always be one in Christ. There's a lot of healing that is needed in our nation. Simply because of anger from sins of the past where we need to say, Father, forgive us all, for we knew not what we were doing, and we need you to bring us together. What I loved about the Springboks winning the World Cup is that there was no division across the nation. We are all united under one cause, which is to see the Springboks win. What more for Jesus, who is God and died for our sins? That is a greater reason for us to unite and be one. 
And when there is tension, when there is anger, when we don't know what we are doing, we can always go to him as a father because he cares for our emotions. He wants to hear our emotions. And we can say, Father, forgive us for we do not know what we are doing. We need you to lead us and guide us. We need you to be a father in this moment and bring about correction in our lives. God wants to parent us, but we need to allow him to parent us. Or we can choose to be rebellious children and not listen to the Father. So the choice is ours. And as I wrap up, one of the things about um, anger is that when we are angry at people and we feel justified and we feel the feelings that we feel, we end up living with bitterness. We end up living with malice. We end up living with unforgiveness. And in that moment, because of our pride, we are holding people in our judgment, thinking that our judgment is harsher than the judgment that God gives. And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want you to think of the three groups. Whether you are angry at your friends, your family, your colleagues, whether you are angry at someone in the church, whether you are angry at God, I want you to sit and picture that person you are angry at or to picture God or to picture whoever you are angry at I want you to picture them whoever hurt you from a place of anger I want you to picture that person as well And I want you to pray the following. Heavenly Father, can you help me release the anger I have over this person? And I want you to picture yourself holding that anger that you have. They may or may not have done something that is justified for your anger, but I want you to picture that anger doesn't matter whether it was justified or not what matters is us bringing this emotion before God I want you to picture holding that emotion and I want you to picture releasing it before the father saying father take this anger and I want you to wait to receive what the father has as a replacement for that emotion I've shared in the um, in previous sermon, in a previous sermon about my relationship with my father and and all the things that he has done. And I remember I, I had this this moment with the Lord where, in my all my anger, my rage and my wrath and every single emotion that I was feeling, I brought it before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm giving you all these emotions. I'm giving you all this anger. I'm giving you everything that I feel about my father. And when I, when I handed it over to the Lord, I was like, Lord, I have been holding on to this emotion so long. It has become part of my identity. It's become part of who I am. And so now my hands feel so empty that I'm holding on to nothing. Can you please replace it with something? And the Lord immediately replaced it with compassion. He immediately replaced that anger with compassion. 
He replaced that anger with peace. He replaced that anger with love. That now I can look back to the relationship I had with my father, knowing full well everything that happened and not harbor any bitterness or resentment within me. For I know that he did not know what he was doing. And so because the Father has given me compassion, because he has given me peace, because he has given me love, he has given me acceptance of the situation, I was able to release because he had given me something better that was healthier for me, that brought about unity rather than destruction. And so let's wait as you release your anger, as you release the bitterness, as you release the unforgiveness, wait for the Father to replace it. Father, right now I release your compassion over each and every single person who released their anger. I release your joy over each and every single person. I release your acceptance. I release your love. May they receive your love. May they receive your joy. May they receive your compassion, Father. Most importantly, may they receive your forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they knew not what they were doing. Thank you, Father, that they can leave this place knowing full well that they are forgiven knowing forward that they are loved and they are accepted, that even though there was anger in their hearts and their souls, they have released it and now they, are, they, they have something better that they can hold on to. They can hold on to you, Jesus. And if you are sitting here and you know that you know that you know that you do not have a relationship with the Father, that as I was sharing about him dying for our sins, um, God being so angry at us that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have access to him. And you know that you do not have access to the Father. You know you do not have access to the Holy Spirit who is God. And you want to have a relationship with him. That you want to surrender your emotions to him. That you want to surrender your life to him. That you want to surrender your desires to him. That you want to surrender your entire being to him. Could you please put up your hand so that I can pray with you? Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are holy. I thank you that you are setting people free from all bitterness, from all malice, from all wrath, from all rage. And then moving forward, we can live united with one another because we will not let our anger, we will not let the sun set on our anger, but we will resolve our anger as quickly as possible in prayer with you. Holy Spirit, make yourself known to us in the moments that we are angry so we can submit it and surrender it to you, so you can help us resolve it. Forgive us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.